and the Nerdy Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. With me again is Will and Bruce. Hello, everybody. Uh, words fail. Of course. All right. So uh, if you can tell by Will's tone, we are doing a special episode. So this is from our 1994 series. Now, we've talked about a lot of good movies, movies that were nominated for Oscars, some uh, movies that we thought might have had a chance for some Oscars. And then we have a movie that clearly had no chance for anything, although I think we all agree if they pushed for Wild Julie, he might have had a shot for a uh, at least an Oscar nomination. Uh, from 1994, starring John claude Van Damme, Raul Julia, and a lot of, like, that guys. <laughs> it's Street Fighter. I understand oh, all the Kami hentai now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I forgot. You got to point at Kylie Minogue. <laughs> like, her uh, pants just magically became tighter. It's It's glorious. Uh, that is a thing to happen. So, uh, this movie, <laughs> this movie was one of the big budget video game based movies that came out after the Super Mario Brothers movie. For those of, <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen the Super Mario Brothers movie, <laughs> let's just say yeah, that it's that's uh, a whole another episode. It's uh, a quite the treat, uh, but we'll get to it. Yeah, I, I want to do that in Wizard back to back. That's actually a good a good point because the very first Nintendo movie was in fact The Wizard. Uh, I mean, it was just a hour and a half long commercial for Super Mario Brothers three and the game glove and and every other thing, the power glove specifically. It's so bad, just like this movie. See that segue? That was good. Um, very good. Uh, let's start off. My relationship with this film is fraught with peril. Um, so this came out in 94 in 94. I was in high school. Uh, street fighter two was the video game to play in the arcades. It was the video game to get on home home consoles either shortly or that year. I can't remember exactly when that was released. Um, Capcom was riding high on this game that they honestly, the first street fighter game is fine. Like it's fine. It's not bad, but it's not particularly a good entry in the the 2D versus fighter genre. Street Fighter 2 took fighting games to the next level. That and more and then Mortal Kombat also added its own spin on it. So you've got these two franchises that literally battled each other in the arcades, they battled each other in um, merchandising and as we'll see soon, they're about to start battling each other in film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we should point out, there's been a lot more Mortal Kombat movies, and there's been basically kind of two, unless you're in the anime versions of Street Fighter. Uh, there is a reason for that, which I will get into later. Oh, I know. We have a big story <laughs> to talk about as we after this movie discussion. Oh, my goodness. So, this movie, I mean, Capcom had money. They saw Nintendo had done reasonably well quote unquote in the film industry and like yeah let's get some of that action and they wanted big budget stars they wanted big budget production and they had a actually really big budget for the time like this movie has a budget of 35 million dollars which for the time is super impressive but let's get into the film so the plot of the film <laughs> if you, is that there is a rogue dictator which i didn't think was a thing that could happen but apparently who is fighting a civil war 
in the nation of Shadaloo. And the rogue dictator's name is M. Bison. I don't think we ever figure out what the name, what the M stands for, um, in the movie anyway. <laughs> Muriel. Muriel Bison, sure, whatever. Um, but um, this is a very typical action movie plot. There's a bad guy. The bad guy is bad. The bad guy oppresses people in some nebulous way, in this case involving kidnapping peacekeepers and holding them ransom for $20 billion, which is the, the oddly the, strain, the central like conflict of the movie is that Bison has 60-something hostages for that he's holding ransom for 72 hours for $20 billion, and if they don't pay up, he's going to kill them. That's, that's the plot. Yeah, and, it's and Captain Guyhard and Captain Guile of the AN, which is the Allied Nations, because we have to file the serial numbers off of UN peacekeeping efforts um, for the for the for the good of all mankind. Honestly, um, is is there to take out Bison for the the, the truth, honor, and the American way? with allies too i mean this is basically the plot of operation desert storm <laughs> i yes. mean but but will i've got something for you i've got one thing that you didn't have there that i'm going to give to you as a present oh dear m bison is actually sort of a mismatch the character was originally vega oh yeah yeah in the video like games that. yes and then they gave him M. Bison, Mike Bison, parody of Mike Tyson. But that was the boxer, but they got a little confused and they just said, out of heck with that Americans like the name. So that is how the dictator, Master Bison, or the Mighty Bison, depending on how they refer to it in different games, was originally Mike Bison making fun of Mike Tyson. Yep, that is absolutely true uh, in the video games. But in the continuity of this film, they don't ever explain what the M stands for. <laughs> I think this film, though, it's got to have a direct line because, like, there are so many little homages to the game. There are homages to the game, but they also mix up a lot of stuff. Like, in this one, Balrog is a good guy, which mm. is wrong. DJ is a bad guy in a weird way in this. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they took the entire cast of the original game and Super Street Fighter 2 and crammed it all. They had to cram all the characters in, all of them. There could be no character left un unseen yeah. on screen. We'll get to that in a minute because I have a, a big story about that. To the, anyway, so you got you got uh, General Guile is leading his forces, and then you have like a subplot where Ace Reporter Chun Li, <laughs> because that's a thing, yeah. and her and her buddies uh, E Honda and um, <laughs> M Bison, not Balrog. M Bison, but uh, but Balrog, who isn't given a first name. Uh, in this movie. Again, they don't even I don't even think they refer to him by name in this movie like I, I don't remember them ever calling him Balrog ever they just they just refer to him as the boxer the or boxer whatever. yeah the boxer do, the do boxer. you think they actually have like the 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 floor footage here because I, I think I want I want the director's cut of this oh I, I, we'll get into well, that in we'll minute. get into it it's it's kind of a mess so anyway and then like so the movie opens and it's glorious. The universal logo comes up and then this, these two giant metal wings swoop on and clack on. And now it looks like the bison logo. It is absolutely fucking magnificent in the cheesiest possible way. And it, 
there are a very few number of movies that set the tone of their film in their credits or in their opening sequence. And this is a standout example. In this movie, you have the Universal logo get surrounded by a dictatorship icon and, and end up the main logo of the movie credits. Another film that sets this up is Deadpool. You watch the opening credits to Deadpool, you know exactly what kind of film you're going to see. And then also Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Yes. There's a sequence where there's like a kid's picture that says, have you have, have thou seen me? And it's tied to a glass milk bottle with twine. And you know exactly what kind of film you're about to watch. It's amazing. So I really love this movie on so many fundamental levels because it is the biggest ham and cheese sandwich you could possibly devour from the 90s. Like – there are other movies from this era that are cheesy as crap that where people chew the scenery, um, uh, you know, Battlefield Earth, Oh, Battlefield Earth is so I've come to appreciate it because it's a glorious train wreck. And this is in that vein. Yeah. This movie is a fan is a train crashing into a speeding um, tanker truck that Long has token. bombs being dropped on it by an exploding helicopter for wait, no wait. reason. <laughs> Guys, this movie, this movie is. Very good at being this movie. Like it, it, this is a has, good film. It's it's very good at being the movie it is. It is very bad at being an adaptation of a video game, but it's incredible at being a late eighties, early nineties direct to video action movie. No, no, no. I'm Starring Red Brown. That's what this movie should have been. This is good. Matt Salinger. I'm gonna say this is a good film. Uh, from an uh, entertainment standpoint, I'm one hundred percent behind I, you. I think it's a good film. No, I it isn't. Think it's a- no, <laughs> no <laughs> I will disagree with you because the acting, apart from Raul Julia, who elevates literally everything he touches with super electromagnetism. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I will give a little credit to Ming Na Wen because yeah, she's her, not the only other one acting. <laughs> her performance isn't bad, but like, I mean, they hired Raul Julia and they hired Jean Claude Van Damme, who at this point was the biggest action star in Hollywood. People forget that. People forget yeah. that he was freaking huge at this point. That's yeah, why he's he in this movie. Popping out action films about every seven months, like, and that basically <laughs> ate up the budget for casting. So they went with a bunch of no name. We don't know anybody in this cast list because they had to cast five million characters. In fact, there was a mix up. Um, I'll let Tom get into it. There's a mix up yeah. in uh, in uh, this, but uh, I'll let Tom cover it anyway. So they cast all these no-name people that no one's ever heard of, and they had to because, like, Kylie uh, Minogue, nobody knew who she was at the time. Like, we know who she is now. She was famous. Uh, I thought, no. No, 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 no. no. She had a hit in the the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. one hit in the late 80s, but she was not, like, famous famous. But she was more famous than, like, Damien Chapa, (laughs) you know? Um and yeah. there's actually a very famous Indian actor in this who plays uh, – uh, what's Dalsim. his name? Dalsim. Oh, God. They ruined that character. Anyway, Dalsim yeah. is in this, and, and he's he's very well known in India, but in the U.S. he wasn't big. Yeah, so we'll get to that in a minute. There's, there's, there's a lot going on here, and this movie is a, otherwise a very typical action movie from the 80s. Late 80s, early 90s, direct-to-video action movie. There's a bad guy. He's bad. There's some shady people who might be good, might be bad. You don't know until uh, their character development moments show up. There's oafish bad guys. There's crafty bad guys. There's in-it-for-the-money bad guys. There's um, 
There's guys who don't care and just want to escape. There's good people, good soldiers, bad soldiers. There's a rousing victory speech. There's a bureaucrat who's obstructing everything and getting in the way of freedom and justice. There's a stealth boat for some reason. This movie has it all. It and really is a triple threat here. Well, let's not forget Baraka. <laughs> you mean, okay, you mean but- Blanca? Oh yeah, Blanca. Sorry. Yeah, we have to have the mutants. Oh well, there's yeah, there's also like mad science, monsters, mind control, levitation, force lightning, explodium, uh, video screens made of explodium. Literally, this movie. Oh, stealth. There's did Lucas get them a residual? Because the spinny (laughs) disc fight with Yoda and the Emperor. That's like right there. That's part of it. There's 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 ninjas. There's there's um you know, uh, magic in terms of like stage magic, there's dancing, there's a dance number, there's, there's festivals. It's, <laughs> there's literally, this movie has everything thrown into it. There's a lot of runaways. Runaway! There's a lot of, 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 and there's lots of action. And, and I will say the crowning jewel of this movie. And I think the movie that, and, and why there should be a best, at least best supporting actor nomination from this movie, if not best actor, for Raul Julia, because he throws himself into this role so much. <laughs> there is not a piece of scenery that isn't chewed. There is not a, a, a bit of ham left unsliced. There is no cheese that goes unripened in, this, in his performance. And you believe it. You believe that he is a crazy dictator man who is printing his own face on money and expecting it to have a five-pound exchange rate with the Bank of England because he's going to kidnap the freaking queen. You believe it. <laughs> man, I, I love this movie. I marvelous. love this movie. Yes, he was. He's the best. But he's I mean, absolutely I, the best I thing in this movie. I have to ask a question, though. I, I just want to know about the continuity. So, given what his outfit was, did he create the 40k Space Marines? Is that what this is? Is this the beginning of the Space Marines program? Because he's an Inquisitor. He's a 40k no, Inquisitor. Uh, Warhammer 40k came out before Street Fighter 2, which right, is when this character was introduced. Uh, so, like, it was totally certainly heavily... Well, to be fair, that, that outfit is based on other historical outfits. Aliens. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we had we to factor in, you know, they're ripping off other stuff. They're ripping off James Cameron's Alien. They're ripping off um, Enter the Dragon. They're they don't really off rip off Dynamite. Alien. They're more ripping off um, like Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, I mean, Alien. There's no, nothing bursts out of anyone's no, chest no, no, here. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about space. I'm talking about. Did you Marine, see the chest bursters in the? They they <laughs> totally had chest bursters in jars in the in the morgue. Oh, did they really? <laughs> That's for a, no I mean, reason. They, they had yeah. bits. I mean, I remember they had various like bits of people in like clear plastic for some reason apparently as a re- like i think i said to charlotte when we were watching this why is there a random skeleton in the morgue and she's like oh that's just a reference skeleton so when the doctor has a question he can just look at the skeleton and know how many bones are supposed to be there <laughs> i mean <laughs> clearly <laughs> and like and she also, the thing that made this so there there are two moments where she looked at me and said what the shit and the first one was in the morgue when she finds the body of captain god so there's a whole like we haven't even talked about the subplot with Ken and Ryu. Oh, God. Uh, so, unlike the video games, Ken and Ryu in this are a couple of small-time shady operators who you first think are running guns to Sagat. Sagat being this criminal underworld figure with an eye patch, and he's very intimidating, and there's like there's an actual street fight going on. It's amazing. 
<laughs> like that's the only street fighting that occurs in this movie, by the way, is in that in those sequences. <laughs> so there is no more street fighting after like the twenty minute mark. Um, and you still got an hour and a half to go. Oh my god, this movie is well. This hour, this movie is an hour and forty minutes long. So <laughs> that's how long this movie is. And so Ken and Rio, they they're like, yeah, we'll sell you the weapons. Then we'll, but you give us the money, and then we'll call you on this dumb radio thing, and we'll we'll you know you can pick them up because we're not stupid. Ha 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 ha. Except they are stupid because the bad guys get the weapons and they're going to shoot them with them. And then they do shoot them and it's the best Nerf gun ever. And they're like toys. I was like, those are fucking cool toys. I want tennis ball launchers. that look like that. Um, and so they, they, they capture Ken and Ryu and they put them in the street fights because that's what bad guys do with prisoners instead of just shooting them in the back of the head. Um, <laughs> gotta make money somehow. Gotta, gotta make money somehow. And they, they get in the street fight and then Right as Vega and Vega's there, and he's the Spanish ninja with the claw thing. I never understood why they were Spanish ninjas, but sure, whatever. Um, and why they fight in a cage, but it's Street Fighter, it doesn't have to make a ton of sense. And just as uh, Ryu, who's been given a like a, a fancy machete looking sword, it's not a machete, but it's like fancy, and he shows off his cool weapon skills and throws the sword, and it, it startles the you know Vega, and they're gonna fight unarmed, and then. Captain Guile in his giant missile truck because <laughs> it's got giant missiles attached to it crashes through a wall and arrests everybody. And, and I was like, I'm glad those didn't explode. <laughs> Why do you have missiles on your ram? But whatever. And let's also forget, Ken and Ryu escape pretty easy. Oh, Ken and Ryu get captured. Well, they escape because they're led to escape. Uh, so then, and then there's this whole like subplot where Guile sees Ken and Ryu fighting in the courtyard when the prisoners get rowdy, and he's like, "Give me those guys. We'll we'll get we'll trick Sagat into taking a a beacon because they can't find M Bison. So they're gonna trick Sagat into taking a homing tracker there." So they can can find out where Bison is. That's the whole plan. And the way they're going to do it is over Guile's dead body, by which they mean they're going to fake his death in a stupid, lame shootout that's lame. <laughs> and, and, oh, God. Yeah, um, I mean, it's but, like... But guys, I, I'm just going to come in and defend this thing. Like, you're laughing like it's cheesy, silly, but I'm like, okay, okay, so, yes. But, like campy and cheesy are valid forms of cinema and they went for it and they achieved it it's you know is rocky horror well, bad? No, no that's the thing not. that's the thing and... bruce that you're misunderstanding they weren't trying for cheese they were trying for a good action movie yeah now wait that. wait for it, bruce, what makes you do it. they say that somewhere like this is a misfire oh, have, because it's I, so I good that is what the director was hired to do now he admits that that's not what he ended up doing Okay, guys, okay. I, let me go ahead and tell the story because I've been waiting to say this. Okay. Yeah, go for so, it. So director Steven D'Souza, he worked on some screenplays like Lethal Weapon. He was one of those late 80s big-time action directors. Uh, he had uh, a lot of hit movies under his yes, belt, he too. Did. Yes, he did. Now, he had never directed before. Now, we should point out, Capcom was the main financer of this film, which is a red flag because they had no experience making movies. So he they bring him in because he's got a really good you know track record to at least write it. But he wants and to he's direct. cheap and he's, he's cheap. cheap. He's cheap. And he says I'll write and if you let me direct, you know you can get me on the cheap. So they're like absolutely. He says okay. First thing he tells them in a meeting is all right. I only want to use seven characters. 
And they're like, no, you can't use seven characters. He goes, well, name seven dwarves. And the guys, the Capcom people were like, could not name all seven dwarves. And he goes, you know why there's only seven dwarves? Because that's because there were eight dwarves, people would not remember their names. So he's like, I only want to use seven characters. So he planned it to be Guile, Ken and Ryu, Bison, Chung Lee, and uh, Zangrief, and I think Sabat. That was it. He was not going to use any other characters. So, like, so the, if you thin it down to just those seven, it's an easier plot to do. They said, okay, we'll do this. Let's make a deal. But they said, you got to get Jean-Claude Van Damme. So they're like, okay. So the uh, director's like, okay, we can do Van Damme. He's pretty, uh, he's well known. He's a big action star. And now Van Damme was offered Mortal Kombat at the same time. So in order to get him not to take Johnny Cage and Mortal Kombat, he uh, they had to offer him way more money than Mortal Kombat was offering him to play Johnny Cage. So uh, we almost had a situation where he was in Mortal Kombat instead. So he gets this huge uh, payday, way over his normal price, which is pretty good for considering you know where he was as an action star so he gets on meanwhile capcom's like well you gotta have this character so that he's like okay i'll fit this one in you gotta have honda in all right i'll fit this one in you gotta ha- you gotta have vega in all right i'll fit this in so at this point he's up to like 11 characters so he'd already planned only to use seven and he's already been added up to 11 so how do you fit all that many characters in there well, he starts trying to come up with another way for it to work and another way to work. Then on their way to Australia, where they're going to shoot some of the scenes, he notices in a uh, magazine a, an article about Kylie Minogue. As we sworn out, Kylie Minogue in America had a hit song in the late 80s. In, in Australia, she was still a pretty big star, like a good comparison to be like Madonna. So he decides, all right, maybe we can get her, and he decides to you know, include her character in. So, all right, he's already adding too many in. Now, here comes the big part. As he's trying to get all these characters, he gets told they got to have. <laughs> and I mean, I think we can all agree. Why would you include, uh, you know, the mutant of all characters? So, you know, it's one thing to have Dalsim in there. And I was like, let's have the big giant green mutant. And that was how he described it. He didn't want to use his name. In fact, he tried hard not to use his name in it. So he included the character of Charlie who gets turned into the mutant. So at this point, he's like, I've got, I'm already up to 15 uh, Capcom characters. That's double than what he wants, more than double than what he wanted to start with. He had pointed out to him at the meeting that if he kept it seven, they could, if the movies hit, they could do sequel after sequel by using new characters. Capcom people didn't seem to understand that they could, you know, even though they make sequels to video games, they, you know, not, they should have every single character in the game. What came out later was is each of the guys, uh, the, the executives at Capcom, uh, they all had creator credits on the characters from the video game. So for each one got in, they got a percentage of royalties. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so that's why every single character is in this, including from Super Street Fighter, because certain Capcom employees got royalty ba- rates based on how their deals were originally set up for the video game. So... <laughs> Wow. The director didn't know this until way later. That was why they were pushing for all this, because they all wanted a percentage of the profits. Now, we should point this out. This movie was not a big hit in America, but in Asia, Australia, and even some parts of Europe, mostly like Eastern Europe, this movie was huge. Oh, yeah. So in the U.S., it made basically its budget, like maybe a little bit under or a little bit over, but basically its budget, right? In foreign uh, ticket sales, it tripled its budget. So yeah. this movie made like $99 million instead of 
<laughs> you know, $35 million, which was its budget. Even if you include marketing, uh, this movie was a financial success, like oddly enough. But not really in the United States. See, that's the thing. The United States no. was not popular. And the th- it should be pointed out, by the time the movie comes out, Street Fighter has really lost its popularity. It's all about Mortal Kombat, which comes out the next year. You know, it's kind of it's, sometimes timing is very important. And yeah. also, we, this movie went into production before Super Mario movie came out. Yep, because they thought, oh man, this movie's going to be huge. And then, well, no. Anyway, but, so back yeah, to the. We, plot. But, but but then we get the other side. He's already had to squeeze all these characters. He's had to figure out how you fit, you know, Honden, how you fit Sabaton, how you fit Vega, which you know they all have to have their moments too because. If you're going to put them in there, they got to do something. So they all have to have their fist fights. Now, he did not write it to be a fighting tournament like that. They would like to say Mortal Kombat did. You would think, hey, let's just have a tournament. You can just save it that, you know, just have them each have their random fights. No, we still got this plot line of them attacking and trying to capture Bison and his fortress. So you're stuck trying to figure out how to squeeze these moments in. So Ken and Ryu's whole plot, you know, basically got squeezed down further and further because they were really supposed to be. The main characters, uh, Guile was supposed to be uh, kind of a case of like he's in there, but he's not the main characters. They wanted to be Ken and Ryu originally. Originally, but then they got Van Damme as Guile, and they're like, well, I guess we're making him the main character. So (laughs) now, and of course, here's the sad part, which is, yeah, and this is, you know, out of no one's control. They'd already offered Daryl Julia a big chunk of money. He signed on because his kids were fans of the game. So he did this for his kids. But he got a good paycheck as well. So they all show up in Thailand to start filming. And the plan was everybody was going to do a big um, choreography. They'd hire one of the best stunt choreographers in the world to train them all. And they had a very specific you know, schedule, who was going to do what, what, all pre-planned. Raul Julia comes in, and they can barely recognize him because he's been, he had just completed his first major round of chemo and radiation. He had not told anybody he was going through a pretty – a near a, a future a soon to be fatal battle with cancer. He had you know he was in remission when he shows up, but he'd been through so much chemo and radiation he was in terrible physical condition. So they had to completely redo the schedule just to give him time to put some weight on and manage to feel a little bit better. Now he spent a lot of research on dictators, on manacle, you know, he studied Mussolini, he studied Stalin. So he had he put his effort into this role. Yeah, and that brings me to another point. Um, so another thing they had to do was flip the shooting schedule. So normally with these action-heavy movies, what you do is you shoot all the close-up and dialogue scenes first to give the actors and actresses time to train on all the stunts. Even if they have stunt doubles, there's still some stunt work that has to be done by everybody just because that's the nature of an action film, right? Yeah, you, you can't. You, you have to have those those some minor – unless it's Tom Cruise or Jackie Chan, the, you have to have at least partial – cuts in between right you gotta have so you've got you all the close-ups and all that stuff in between and then at the end they film all the big action set pieces because that's also when they can wreck the set right you know yeah. when they, if they, they need something yeah. to blow up they don't want to have to rebuild it it's the second unit job but because raul julia looked so bad um they decided to flip it they so they started filming the big action sequences with raul julia first why? Because you can shoot him from a distance. He won't look nearly as bad from a distance in, in the outfit and with all the special effects going off and everything and that he does. No, he did all his own stunts in this movie. 
Which Anytime is, you see him up in a wire suit, it's him. He is doing all the. He did all the choreography. He did all the stunts with. Uh, he trained with uh, Jean. So Jean Claude Van Damme is actually pretty good at choreography, right? Yeah, he was a dancer and, before he became an action star. Yeah, and be, and before they um and because of that, um a lot of these stunts, especially the early ones with with Raul Julia as as sick man, um had to be basically made up on the fly. Like they, they didn't have the guy to train them. And he's like, look, I can't get there until X. I was, I was hired to be at this time. Yeah. I'm on you another guys, movie set. Yeah, I'm on another really movie shoot. set. You guys are, you guys are kind of on your own if you're going to do this now. So Jean-Claude Van Damme stepped in and started doing some of the, at least his stunts, like his stunts with the other actors. Cause he could work with them. So I, I know we're going to talk a bunch of shit about Jean-Claude Van Damme, but for that, I will always say he did a good job. Given okay, so, yeah. the circumstances, but that is Raul Julia doing those stunts. So whenever someone, t- whenever Bison takes a hit, that's Raul Julia acting that. Whenever he's up in the, whenever he's flying around and zapping people with electricity and shouting about things, that's all Raul Julia, because yeah. he was super dedicated to this role. That is the kind of actor, the consummate actor that Raul Julia is. That when he is dying of cancer, he in a movie that he only did for his children's sake. He literally gave it everything he had. Yeah. <laughs> and that is yeah, amazing. So, I mean, we praise, we can never not praise how incredible and talented Raul Julia was. Now, but, uh, so then we got to get to, you know, Van Damme. Now, as we point out, all the, he was trying to help with the choreography, but there was a sort of problem that was going <laughs> on around the set, which is his cocaine addiction was so bad. He was spending about 10 grand. I've heard a week or a day. It just seems to... No, 10 grams a day, 10, 10 grand a week. Yeah. And the point that some days he would get so high on cocaine, he would for, just not show up or show up and then wander off because he needs to get more coke. And, you know, they're filming in Thailand. Not the best place to take a guy with a bad drug problem. So they gave him literally a stunt double who was supposed to be his handler to make sure he didn't get cocaine. That guy... Supplied him with cocaine. cocaine. <laughs> yeah. So um, they would have shooting days where he was supposed to show up. He wouldn't show up. Now, here's the other problem. Uh, some of those days, Kylie Minogue would not randomly show up because they were having a, they were fucking a lot, uh, uh, you know, uh, off camera. In fact, he pretty much, uh, when he found out she was going to be in it, he uh, got so excited because he'd been wanting to sleep with her for a long time. Well, that adds a creepy dimension to it. Um, yeah, so, uh, but so yeah, him and Kylie Minogue were, ha- you know, were, you know, bumping uglies constantly while he also doing a lot of coke. She, cl- she never admitted she did a lot of coke with him, but if you're, if you're having sex with a guy who's doing a lot of coke, I don't think she probably didn't pass on the coke. So, uh, and she hadn't really acted much. So her acting skills were kind of limited. So they had that problem on top of it. So they, you know, meanwhile, the guys that cast as Ken and Ryu are okay, but you know, they're not the best actors. <laughs> And if they're supposed to be your next lead, your your uh, fallback, you're suffering from that because they had other people they wanted, but because they'd already blown so much money on uh, Raul Julia and um, Van Dam, some of those options were not available. Uh, so uh, Byron Mann, who played Ryu, was actually in, in several things. Um, he was on the television show Dark Angel. Yep. He was in the movies Catwoman and Invincible. <laughs> um <laughs> He uh, starred along Russell Crowe and Lucy Liu in The Man with the Iron Fists. Yes. Uh, so the Tarantino honest, movie. He does uh, – yeah, directed by the RZA. <laughs> yep. We should point out he has a great agent. He just seems to be able to get him the perfect parts. 
he's he's got some. I mean, he's got some stuff under his oh, under his belt. Very, uh, you know, he has a pretty good. You know, I would he, say he's a good working actor. He he yes. he works. He works well. He doesn't. He, he uh, works. Yeah, he he gets in there, does his job, does well, and gets out and does stuff. Yeah, and then of course the other problem. So they're shooting a lot of it in Thailand. The Thai, the government of Thailand would not allow a lot of things. Like for instance, they would allow them to have those big military trucks. They allow them to do like these block off streets for these uh, sequences, like when, you know, Ken and Ryu were doing their big escape. That was all okay. Not helicopters or jets, which that was supposed to be how the finale was supposed to be. There's going to be a big air landing. Well, that they had to turn into a, uh, uh, you know, the, them coming in, you know, in, a, you know, basically a frog uh, invasion. Uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, the birth of the almighty stealth boat, shall we yeah, say. Yeah, stealth boat was literally because they, they were told last week you can't have those helicopters. Which completely, once again, throws a big chain in the plot because that means they have to cut out certain sequences they were planning to do. Now, uh, Bruce, you're going to crack up about this last part, though. And, mm-hmm. well, you may have heard about this. Okay, so the original cut got a uh, hard R rating. The sure original. did. So the director's like, well, uh, you know, he was it's like, maybe it'll do well if it's R rated. Well, Capcom was like, no, 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 no. We are not Mortal Kombat. We are Street Fighter. That was a big strict. They were very strict. They did not want a hard R movie. They wanted a PG-13 movie. So they go through and edit and edit and edit and edit. And they do and multiple edits get turned down and keep getting R rating, R rating, R rating. Finally, he does a massive edit. And they get a G rating. Yep. <laughs> they edited so much down, it was G rated. So to bump it back up to PG, they had Van Damme loop some uh, cuss words in. Yep, uh, he's. I think he says uh, something, something, something. I don't give a shit or something like that, and it yeah. bumps it up to PG thirteen. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it's a it's a G rated film. Yes, and I think so, it suffers from that. I think it suffers for that. Honestly, this movie is very, very tame in a lot of ways. Yes. Um. So yes, Bruce, there is a director's cut. That is a hard R-rated cut. I want this. this I want to see it too. We, everybody does. It probably explains why Dalsim goes from being a well-dressed doctor to a freaky weirdo in, in like one shot. No, no. Um, okay, everybody's costume does that. I thought, okay, I swear to God. So here's the thing, guys. I never played Street Fighter. I just don't like any of those fighty kicky games. I thought the Mortal Kombat movies were horrible. Uh, uh, they're not like good. Anything, no, don't no, like no. anything about that. Uh, I, I but this one, this one I liked. This one I liked, but I absolutely 100% read this as, like, nothing but having fun. And, like, I'm just going to throw in little things, like, over time, their costumes become, with no exposition, their video game costumes. Like, Cammy starts out in a uniform, and by the time she's, like, she even gets the weird little gloves and, and the, the piggy tails, and the, what the fuck? Like, that has got to be a choice. That well, that's not, because... That's they're because bad at this. That's she a was choice. Not inclu- she was added later on. <laughs> well, they, they no, also they... included... Um, the reason why is because... So, we didn't all... We, there's even more nonsense with this movie. This movie was under a very strict shooting deadline. Um... It had it literally had to contractually release on December twenty third, nineteen ninety four, for the holiday season. That was in the contract. They couldn't miss it to the point yeah, where Capcom insi- that was Capcom again insisted because they're yeah. all about release dates. To the point where when some of the crew came down with dysentery from eating food and, and drinking unfiltered water in Bangkok, 
and they lost six days of shooting, the director, and who was also the writer, remember, went to the script, ripped out a page, and said, all right, we're back on track. That's how <laughs> okay. much he, that's that's, like, I'm just going to say to you guys, we watched the Ed Wood tribute movie. Like, yep. this is as good as that film. <laughs> like, oh, oh yes, good. it is. But they originally didn't intend for it to be this way. It became that because of yeah. all the restrictions that kept getting piled yeah, on. Like, but I the mean, intent was good. not to make the intent was to make a gritty crime drama, and they decided basically at some point during all the nonsense, they said, "Fuck it, we're just gonna have a good time. Yeah, like, Throw it all in, guys. Throw every bit of it in. I don't care if it makes yeah. sense. I don't give a shit. This movie is the most cartoonishly nonsensical movie ever, and it's amazing. Yeah. No, and me out, but guys, I love I this movie so I, much. I, I just disagree. The plot is better than the Super Mario Brothers plot by like well, leaps and bounds. Okay, that's it's not better hard. than the Mortal Kombat <laughs> part. It's no, Nobody, it's about the same as the Mortal for Kombat the films plot. It's making no, no. Mortal Kombat is just there's nothing I don't see coming a million miles away. In Mortal did Kombat. you? not see I anything. I did not did... see Jean-Claude Van Damme coming through in his two-penis mobile. That's I true. I didn't see, see that. That, that surprised me. <laughs> like, I, I did not know anything about this film. I don't know anything about the video game. The Double um, King I... missile was a bit of a surprise, but the rest of the movie is pretty predictable. Uh, no! Like they, I mean, because I, they telegraph it. They tell you what's about to happen okay, literally 20 they seconds do, They happens. do somewhat, but like, I wasn't sure what the deal Charlie, was. What did they Why do is Chun-Li an enemy of these people? In fact, her story is, is weak. Like, I've been following <laughs> oh, her for 20 years. Oh, How it is fucking weak. It, 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 it does have... So, I, no, no, you gotta give me this one, guys. You gotta give right. me this one. Bison has the best dialogue in this movie. Straight up, with one exception. The best line in this movie is the greatest villain line that I still use to this day to make points, <laughs> which is the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. It's such a wonderful line. And anytime you see a villain who does that, it's inspired by this performance. Also, when he's so... I'll, I'll tell the other great line he has because it's I literally shouted it in the parking lot of my office today because I was ex I was talking about how great it was and I was trying to explain it to somebody so I had to do it at <laughs> I had to do it at Raul Julia volume right otherwise it just doesn't work <laughs> but the line that got the biggest laugh from my wife who's again a barometer for movie watching for me <laughs> she had never seen this movie. She doesn't know much about Street Fighter other than it's a video game and the people punching each other. So she said, I'll watch this movie with you. Well, that's great. And we sat down to watch this movie. And my wife gets bored with movies and she'll start looking at her watch or playing with her phone or whatever. And there was actually a fair minimum amount of that. There was a little bit of it because there are parts of this movie that are kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, she was engaged. She was entertained. There were moments that were just flat out amazing. And honestly – the line that got the biggest laugh is when Bison and Sagat are realized they've they've been tricked into being in one place at the same time, and Chun Li and her pals send a truck full of explosives with a cartoon <laughs> timer on it. Like it looks like a thing out of a cartoon. Yeah. It's amazing. It's fantastic. <laughs> that had to be. Deliberate. By the way, the That's barrel creepy. that they put her in, the barrel they put her in, has the word Capcom written on it. Just yeah. FYI. Um, so they they put it and. You knew that they, this was the moment when they realized what kind of movie they were watching and decided to just have a good time with it because they're watching this truck on a camera on this little tiny screen. And then they turn their heads and they see the truck coming in in real life towards them. And 
Zangief looks back at the screen and goes, quick, change the channel. (laughs) And everybody looks at him like he's a madman. And my wife just started laughing. It was such a feel-good moment. This movie is amazing. Everyone should see it. It is just the best movie. Yeah, we haven't talked about the glory of Zangief in this movie. Zangief is great. I mean, they made the lemonade out of this thing, and the, the lemonade sells so much better than the Super Mario Brothers, the Mortal Kombat movies, that I consider this the best of the video game movies I've ever seen. Period. Okay, well, how many how they many video game movies have you seen, I guess, is really the question. Uh, yeah, the Mor- question. I've seen, like, two of the Mortal kombat ones. God help me, why'd they make more than one? I had to see part of the Mario Brothers movie, don't even ask why. Uh, I forget what the other one I saw was. Oh, God. Um, Silent Hill. Oh, God. No, Silent I, I don't so, like those. I, I don't watch horror films generally. Yeah, so, and then, of course, um, there's, I mean, admittedly, the... Resident Evil movies are Resident Evil movies. Yeah, I've seen all of those, and they're nowhere near this good. I would say the first Resident Evil movie, the very first Resident Evil movie, the first one, right? That one is on par in terms of that one is on par with other video game movies in that it simulates the experience of the video game, not entirely, not perfectly, and that's fine. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it simulates the experience of the video game, and it's actually pretty well done as a zombie flick, as a generic zombie flick. If you didn't know nothing about no no Resident Evil, right, it's still a pretty decent generic zombie flick, and it's got good action. It's got some interesting sequences. I think it's a pretty good video game movie. I think it's a pretty good zombie movie. I won't say it's a good movie. Um, no. No, but I, this yeah. movie is nothing like the video game, but as a as a tribute to 1980, late 80s, early 90s direct-to-video action movies, this is the pinnacle of the craft. Okay, but yeah. literally. For research, I looked at some stuff from the game. I'm like, okay, the game is just a cheesy, ready, fight. Like, it has nothing. Yeah. It doesn't have a story. So, That's the, Well, it has, like, like, little vignettes, but you only like, get I them if you the beat little... the game. Yeah, there's like little sound effects from the people, and I heard some of those in the thing. Like I saw that his control panel is the video game video control game panel. Control panel. Yep, and like, he yells "Game over!" and it's amazing. Yeah. It's oh yeah, that like this is like it's just so much better than the rest of them. Like I will no, say, uh, uh, the, the Sonic first, movie the very wasn't first bad. Resident yeah, Sonic's fun. Uh, really funny too. Uh, again, from the perspective of is this a good video game adaptation? The answer is yes. It very much follows the Sonic story. There's okay. Doctor Eggman. There's rings. It makes. It actually tries to make some sense. It's not a great film, like. But it's my kid really it. enjoyed it, and I didn't hate it. Yeah, my, <laughs> my, my son has watched that thing many times. I guess so what as I would say is this one just I could tell what's fan service in this one without oh, there's knowing so anything much about the fun. game. There's so much fan. So well, it's, then, it's fan service. Anything that I doesn't make any bad. sense at all is probably fan service. Yeah, but uh, well, Ming Na Wen just jumping around in that outfit is um, her yeah, wire work know, is not the best. Honestly, no. I've seen her in other things and she's much better. Oh, this she's was... better, but this is still a good outfit for her. It's a good yeah, outfit. I mean, Let's point out, I mean, Ming Na Wen is that weird case where she's been in quite a few nerdy things. I mean, you know, her oh, work she's, recently... she's very, very good. Yeah, I mean, she's been fantastic in shows like, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's been great on The Mandalorian. She's been one of the... This movie did uh, did not screw up her career. She wisely you know, has jumped around the, a lot of uh, action well, like, dirty things. The journalist patter was perfect. Like she was perfect journalist patter. Well, it was. It, it was. was I, I would say it wasn't perfect. It was perfect movie journalist patter. Like yes. it is what you'd expect out of a movie journalist. It's not actual journalism patter because that's very different. But from a cinematic watching experience, 
if you see a journalist on screen, what do you expect? You expect some questions. You expect this sort of calm thing. They're in the middle of the action for reasons that aren't super well explained until later, maybe. It's a perfect cinematic journalist. She's fine. She has a quirky, she has a quirky crew who help her out. It's it's she's she's a journalist from any action movie in the late 80s to early 90s. Yeah. She does a nice <laughs> turn at it. And then she flips and becomes vengeful ninja person whose backstory is woefully underexplored she also uh, has a I, really bad ninja outfit and she puts it on in the middle of the day which is like wait a minute <laughs> yeah <laughs> you... but 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 i mean overall also all uh, of their costumes just change i love that all their costumes just change but, uh, how much do you love his, van damme's tattoo because oh yeah, the tattoo is so tattoo. cheesy um, and that's from the video game they had to put the tattoo on his arm yeah because that's how that's how you identify it's guile it's like why does why does E Honda wear a Hawaiian shirt that gets whipped off of him and then he rips off? By the way, there is a prison joke in that scene that I did not expect. You guys remember that? No, I do not. So there's the scene where E uh, Honda and Balrog are being tortured by this big sweaty Russian looking guy. Yep. And so he whips him and he doesn't say anything. Oh yeah. And then he's like, "Give me a hand." He's like. No, nah, man, we've been in here two hours, maybe in a month. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> they made that. Ju- they went there is what I said. And I was like, oh, dear Lord. And they yeah. got a G rating with that. They got a G rating because yeah. they probably people probably didn't get it. Like, I mean, you got to remember, sometimes the ratings boards can be weirdly literal about things like yeah. There's, as far as they know, there's no – I mean, and also it was the earlier 90s, so a lot more stuff slipped in than would otherwise because people weren't as like the the boards weren't as savvy at catching that crap yeah i mean well when we do pulp fiction tarantino intentionally shot stuff way more gory and graphic because he knew he cut uh, they that would freak them out so when he cut it down to what he wanted they'd be so grossed out by the first one they give him they would you know they give him the rating he wanted so you know there are ways to trick the uh, ratings board I did yeah. think that the transition, like I didn't really, so there was the guy who plays T-Hawk, who's the Native American fighter. Uh, first off, in the video game, he's much bigger. Like he's a huge dude, like Zangief level huge and yeah. bigger. Yeah, he's uh, in this, bird, basically. Uh, in this, I didn't realize <laughs> who he was until he put on his costume. I was like, oh, that's who that's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny as hell. Uh, DJ is great in this. He's the comic relief guy. Um. In this whole movie, he's the one who's always given the sidelong glances at everybody when they say weird stuff or stupid shit. Yep. And uh, the the scene where Bison is giving like his monologue about my loyal friend who will fight by me to the side of the very end and blah 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 blah. And Julia's just pouring his heart into the scene and it's amazing. And in the background, DJ's just casually walking out the door and leaving him. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so funny. Um, yeah. yeah. Let me bring a couple of things. They wanted certain people for these parts, but when the budget got way, you know, way too expensive, you know. So, um, trying to think, uh, there are a few funny ones. So Chung Lee, I think they went ahead and go with uh, Ming Na Wen because she just seemed to be the person who uh, screen tested the best for it. But uh, when it came to um, some of the other ones, like Ken and Ryu, believe it or not, they had planned. They were talking to Val Kilmer possibly for Ken. I mean, I could see it. But Ken's role is so small, Val probably wouldn't have done it. Well, that's right. just it, though. In the original script, when it was only me seven, that's where it gets more. That's fair. <laughs> that's that's fair. I forgot. I was like, oh yeah, they have to be the leads. Yeah, they were supposed to be the leads, so... and I think you know, like uh, that's where it gets more amusing. Where 
their plot lines keep getting changed. I think they talked to um, Damon Wayans for uh, DJ. Um, Honestly, I could see Damon Wayans in that role. He would. Yeah. I mean, it's a little ca- well, typecast for him, but a, they couldn't afford him. <laughs> but I, I do have my movie comparison, and I guess maybe like I will go and being ignorant of the history that you've educated me on, I assumed they were doing it just like this film, and it was on purpose. But non-video game film, but The Last Dragon. That film and this film are very feel alike in a lot of ways. Um, I think they had better action choreography in The Last Dragon, and I think they um, were a little less ham-fisted, and, you know, the the fan service was different with the Bruce Lee fan service, but um, that film is a film I already owned. Like, I owned that film because I love that thing, and it's just goofy, and I play it at Dragon Con every year in my room, and, like, it's... It's, you know, it's, it's got an homage to black exploitation. It's got all the things. And this film I felt like is on that plane. Like, and those are successful films in my view. Now, mind you, I am not saying they're high art. Uh, This is not a film I would go watch. Like I will watch Blade Runner again and look for bits. Uh, But I'll look for bits. I just won't look for the same. I won't look for arty. I'll look for a little bit like there's a, did you know there's a goofy scream? No. So when one of the bison guards gets blown up, he goes, <laughs> you know, like Goofy would. That's in this. Um, there's a um, because that was originally a royalty free soundbite from some other movie that Disney used for the Goofy screen because it was cheap. Anyway, there is a lot in this that and, and here's the thing. So this movie had a budget of thirty five million dollars. Other movies of its ilk in the same era with similar budgets had much better sets. The problem was this movie had so many sets. There are sets and sets and sets that are, that were built hastily and shoddily. And uh, like the whole movie feels cheap. Like I know it costs a lot of money, but the movie like looks like a crappy 1980s direct to video, early nineties direct to video, you know, 90 should like, I felt like it should have come out in little China. Big Trouble in Little China is here in the zone with this film. It is, but that movie actually has some better special effects. I mean, the makeup on Blanca is embarrassingly bad. Yeah. I like, mean, w- once again, why this? Why include him other than he was forced to include him? Because Blanca is of no point to the film. Well, no, no. Well, in this film, no. But you could you could use him as a plot device, which is what they kind of did, but they had to give him a character. Like, also, why would you build your mind control device to have different colors based on the material you're mind controlling somebody with? <laughs> like, that, that bothers me. Also, I love the, like, they just wheel up some bags that say, like, mutagen, use extreme caution. And it's in English for some reason. Uh, like, why is everything in English? Why isn't everything in English? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Why, why do they have such an extensive torture laboratory and there's, like, a dude in it? There's, yeah. there's one guy and there's one He's room where he does the torture and the dude's like drinking vodka and sweaty and smelling bad. And it's like he looks like the, they took the guy from Return of the Jedi who was the rancor keeper and just took his hat off and put a and tank top him, on him and, and told gave him, him the torture place from a <laughs> lethal weapon. It's the lethal right. weapon torture chamber. Right. Uh, fun fact, the uh, the uh, the military uniforms used by the A.N. are rumored to be the same uniforms used in a Surf Ninjas movie. Just throwing that out there. Uh, did you know that they they had like unit headquarters there? And I know it probably isn't a Doctor Who reference, but I died. It was. Amazing. It is not, but I also laughed, and I was like, "That's amazing." No, that was apparently just a coincidence, and I laughed so hard. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> everything about this movie is like at one point they stop a battle just so that guile can have a fist fight with with um with with bison and like everyone just leaves they don't just go boss but it, it was like the it's like the 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 seth the the seth evil thing he's like dad we could just shoot him right here you and me it's like yeah, no I mean, you gotta do it this way it's like what no, is going on one on one to show how show how manly we are and the glory of combat i'm like what is going on you guys have guns just just literally three bullets and you're done <laughs> Blow them up. you might lose captain guile but eh, casualty of war you know <laughs> it's like oh it's so weird and um and of course we gotta talk about the final uh, shot which is the big victory oh uh, well I'll, I'll, that I'll, I'll get to it um there's so much to talk about in this movie this movie has is so this movie is incredibly dense it's like the devil's food cake of cheesy action films there's so much going on it's got action it doesn't actually have a ton of romance which actually i thought was good choice there's like a little bit of flirty between bison and chun li because he has to make and did you notice the mixed drinks the straws he used for the mixed drinks had his symbol on them and he had different hats to match his different outfits oh, which remember, was amazing the money has everything he has bison on the money like oh yeah but the, the hat rack with like the seven different like military <laughs> dictator caps that have very different... very subtly different yeah. <laughs> yeah they're all like slightly different and like he picks the one that matches his robe oh so good um he has he has a murder chamber um in his bedroom because why wouldn't you and i love how he's clicking the buttons and like the mood lighting going on. <laughs> it was like it was completely out of like a a james bond movie but well done yeah um I mean, we should point out James Bond really seemed to be more of the uh, theme of this movie. Yeah, the inspiration here was definitely James. I mean, they have a stealth boat, for God's sakes. It's not even yeah. a good stealth boat. It's just a stealth boat. And <laughs> it's just everything about this. And they have the woman the, and the woman doing the voiceover, like, for the uh, the <laughs> Shadowloo-like alarms just kills me because she's so deadpan about everything. It just it makes me happy. Everything about this movie puts a giant grin on my face when I watch it. Yeah, I, I like this better than Austin Powers, straight up. This was more uh, fun. I agree, although I really enjoyed the second Austin Powers movie. The first Austin Powers movie left me kind of cold because they kept doing the same freaking joke over and over again, like, too much. Mm -hmm. um, this doesn't actually repeat a joke. No, but see, a lot of those jokes were kind of accidental. That's the thing about Nothing was accidental in this. When he talks about the food court should be bigger because all the major <laughs> franchises will want to be in Bisonopolis, that was a deliberate decision. That is when they yeah. stopped giving – you can tell. I wonder if that was ad-libbed because I know that a lot of dialogue ad was ad-libbed. That's got to be Raul Jr. Like, I will do my best. God, he's this. so good. No, they, they pivoted so effectively to comedy that I honestly, I sort of still don't believe you that this was not planned as a comedy. Well, look at the I first half of the movie of versus don't. the second half of the film, right? It's still funny in the first half, though. It's, it's But it's less deliberately funny in the first like, half. Like, the dude, it. the Vega dude showing up and doing his little, like, preening, running around the thing. It's oh, so boring. that's actually from the video game. That's, like, his character. Yeah. Right, but I mean, the the video game is funny. That's the thing. Like, whereas yeah. Mortal Kombat is not funny, the video game Street Fighter is funny. Yeah, because it's goofy as hell, and it's meant to be good. Like it, they they tried to serious it up with like all kinds of weird, dark, gritty backstory stuff, and then they have a character named Dan, and Dan is the greatest fighter of history, and he'll tell you so. So you know how Ken and Raya use uh, Shotokan Karate as their like their like fighting style. 
Mm. You know, the one where they do punches and kicks and they have axe kicks and they do fireballs, hurricane kicks and dragon punches. Like that's the, that's their, their style of fighting. Oh, you right? can. It's very, very recognizable in both the video game and you know, that, you know, they have, they have a style. Dan is also a Shotokan fighter, but all his attacks are garbage. His fireball goes like half an inch across the screen. His dragon punches the t- he just barely gets off the ground when he does his rotate. His hurricane kick is like one spin. Yeah, we should point out how many times does uh Guile do, does his uh, 360 kick? All the time. <laughs> yeah, well that's because John Van Dam can oh the, the flash kicks. Yeah. Well that's actually a reference to a combo in the game. One of the I big that's the combo I would do every time when I was playing that game. Yeah, because two flash oh, no, kicks they... followed by a jumping kick is like actually one of Guile's combos. Well they they did a thing in one of the cuts where the action cut was bad, and I was like, Oh, that's bad, and then I'm like, No, they did it on purpose because they're sp- he's spamming the move. He's spamming the move. Yep. I was dying. Like they did a crap good. Crap yeah. Fireball. Guys, this is a good movie. They figured out that they weren't going to make movie A, and they pivoted to making movie B, and they leaned in, and it's better than the competing films. Uh, it's as good as films that started out going for movie B. Like, it is in the league of the other films I mentioned. I think this is just as good as The Last Dragon, or, or in the ballpark. Like, I think the fight choreography in The Last Dragon is better. Uh, All right, so but guys, that's. Yeah. We've been at this for a long time. Let's uh, let's debate. Is this a good movie, a bad movie, or a nerdy movie? All right, Will. It's clearly back. nerdy. It's uh, clearly. Nerdy. Uh, yeah. Okay. First off, this is clearly a nerdy movie. I think it's a good movie in that I was super entertained by watching it. There is nothing in this film that makes me angry or upset. I just giggle or laugh or smile the whole way through this movie, and it is nothing but a. It is a feel-good family film of the '94s. <laughs> Bruce, he says dirty. And it's good, but it's not like as good as um, it's not as good as like Raising Arizona, which is goofy as fuck. And, you know, you could argue also makes no sense. And all the criticisms you could lay on this could be laid on Raising Arizona, except that clearly it's very, very deliberate and very artfully done. I would say this is, you know, if if Raising Arizona is a goofy A and uh, Last Dragon is a goofy B, this is a goofy B minus or C plus. Like it's in there and it's good enough that like I consider it light years above uh, all the other trash that tries to do this, like the the Mario Brothers film. Or I I I I hear you, the guys that I might I might go look upon the Sonic movie, but I can't imagine because they play it straight. They're not going to Camp Town. They're not having fun. Like this is so fun. And I think, like, maybe, yeah, the history is that they thought they were going to make, like, Lethal Weapon, where the ha-ha is a tiny piece of it, and everyone's really rooting at the end. And then they realized they couldn't do that, and they just said, fuck it, ha-ha, man, let's have some fun. Raul's giving his inspiration. And they rolled with it to a degree that I could not have told you it wasn't on purpose. And I thought it was Von, I thought Von Damme was doing his best work here because he's so funny. Um, and I thought like somebody got him to actually be humorous because he's usually not like, but you can get Sylvester Stallone to be humorous. I don't know. I, I, if, if you're going to insist to me that this was just a disaster that somehow came out, like, you know, you're cooking and you fuck up and you drop the whole bottle of soy sauce in there and then you just try to work it out. And it's tasty. Like, okay, I, I believe you, you know more about it than I do, but I couldn't see that. I could not see disaster in this. It all looked of a purpose. Okay. So, I'm, I'm in the, this is a bad movie, but it's a nerdy bad movie. So I think we could all agree this is a nerdy movie. 
but for different reasons. But I, let me point this out. So we're about to finish our 1994 group now with Pulp Fiction, but I do want to point out the movies that came out around the same time in December of 1994. What do you think was the highest grossing film? So we have uh, Trapped in Paradise with uh, Nicolas Cage and uh, Dana Carvey. We have Disclosure with um, uh, Michael Douglas and Demi Moore. We have, let's see, uh, Nell with um, Jodie Foster and Liam Neeson. We have Dumb and Dumber with Jeff uh, Daniels and Jim Carrey. We have Legends of Fall with uh, Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins. And uh, we have Richie Rich with uh, Macaulay Culkin. And finally, we have uh, what I think is another unforgotten uh, uh, gem, IQ with Tim Robbins and Meg Ryan and Walter Matthau as um, and Einstein. So which of those think was the highest grossing film of that month? I'm sure I'm wrong, but I would have guessed Dumb and Dumber because it was a pretty big deal at the time. Although Absolutely I consider dumb this, and dumber. this yeah, is dumb and dumber. movie. This is a better yeah. movie than that film. I can't stand that movie. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber was uh, grossed a hundred million in three weeks. That's incredible. Uh, I also don't like Dumb and Dumber. There are parts of it that are funny, but it's the kind of movie I can only watch in fifteen-minute bursts, and then I have to go like watch something dramatic because I hate cringe comedy to some degree. Yeah. Well, see, that's just, gonna... this was a this was a bad time for cringe comedy. So, at the same time, you also have movies like Junior, where Arnold Schwarzenegger is pregnant. You have. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, this is that period of time where cringe comedy is all over the place. You had I mean, the only Jim, the only Jim Carrey I like is like Liar Liar, uh, and that's sort of like Dumb and Dumber, but at least it's got more of like like him looking constipated all the time is sort of the point. Yeah, oh, something I, we didn't something we didn't bring up because we talked about other video game movies. One came out a month before this that we always forget seems to exist, which is the Double Dragon movie. That's because that movie is entirely forgettable. And you're right. I completely forgot that movie existed. But now that you mention it, I was like, oh, yeah, that was a movie. It's not good. It's what? not. It's, no, it... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not a good movie. It's not even a fun movie. It's just kind of bad and not yeah. in a good way. I mean, I agree, Tom, that from a movie craftsmanship standpoint, this movie is pretty bad. Like, they tried to do a lot of stuff. The wire, the action sequences are not blocked very well. They're not very exciting. They're kind of clunky and, I mean, very TV movie style fighting. Because I mean, these actors didn't have time to practice, right? And while some of them had martial arts training, I mean, <laughs> Mei Ying actually goes on record as saying like she was training and she punched one of her coworkers so hard she made them cry. Um, like accidentally and she was like he cried it was sad and i was like oh man because there's a there's a lovely article on it on uh vice oh yeah there, there's so many great articles um, about every problem this movie may had which is why i've said before that if they made a movie about the making movie it'd be better than anything uh, like tropic thunder was parodying. i mean that's the thing about you know that movie and you know we should point out 1994 there was a lot of turkeys this one i think we can agree somehow managed to slide over the turkey level. So I, 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 I'm not going to say this is a bad movie specifically. I do think it's nerdy, but other people consider it a bad film. So um, we've been talking about this for longer than besides maybe Waterworld. So guys, uh, I think uh, we probably need to wind this down. Uh, folks, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, this is the Good, the Bad, and the Nerdy Movie Podcast. Uh, if you have any comments, please hit us up on our Facebook group, Fans of Good, Bad, Nerdy Movie Pod. We had a a lot more new members, so thanks for joining us. Also on a Twitter account. Please write reviews on whatever uh, podcast uh, listening device you're using. 
We love the feedback. Guys, you have any final words on this? Bruce, go ahead. I have, I'll finish this out. Um, I'm not going to lie. Do you think there are any like like leaked film for the Jean-Claude Van Damme, Kylie Minogue hookup? I, you know, for, asking, asking for a friend. <laughs> Oh man, you know if I'm sure if it exists, uh, it's Van Damme's private collection of any of other notorious tapes he's got. Oh dear lord! All right, uh, and uh, Will, what's your final thought? This movie is a glorious masterpiece. For I witness Satan fall from the heavens like lightning. Ah. Uh, Folks, folks, please, I hope you enjoyed it. And that really, I can't come with a better quote than this, but please, you know, if you are going to go to Thailand and get involved in uh, gun running, don't lose your passports. <laughs> yeah, we never brought that up, but Kenner, right? They just want their fucking passports. <laughs> yeah, Guile is perfectly happy to like, hey, uh, two civilians I could maybe get killed. <laughs> they really are meat shields to him. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. All right, guys, this was epic. This is, I mean, we've 